So if you're feeling that way, I'm, I'm right there with you. What I want to do is I just want to worship Jesus, and, uh, and that's what we're going to do eventually. And what I'm trying to do, though, through all this is I just want to continue to help us understand worship, the heart of worship, how it is that we can become worshipers. And then hopefully after just a few more times of this, I will be shut up forever, and you will never have to hear me at one of these things again. So, deal? All right, you learn to worship, and I'll shut up. That's, that's the agreement that we have here. Um. I was planning on doing something entirely different, and when Joy was like, hey, what are you teaching on? And I told her, and uh, that went out the window this morning, because uh, I am incapable of getting past one point in 45 minutes. So I'll do a quarter of a point tonight. But anyways, we're talking about breakthrough and this idea of that we have a God of breakthrough who comes, and, and the first thing we're talking about this morning is this idea of that if we want to see breakthrough, change, and transformation inside of our life, that the first thing we have to do is we have to go to the stronghold of the enemy for a confrontation. Or we're just so filled with disgust and hate at the enemy and what he's done and what he's stolen from us, what he's doing in this world, uh, how he's keeping us from taking hold of everything God has for us, that we're just like, I don't care what the price is going to be. I don't care what happens to me even. I'm going to the stronghold of the enemy in my life, and we're going to have a fight, and I'm going to see Jesus be victorious in it. So that was just supposed to be my first point. ended up being the whole sermon. So here's point number two, which is really important, and it's that breakthrough is sustained in the stronghold. This is what happens. David goes and he captures Jerusalem. You know, he goes down to have a fight. He takes hold of it. There's miraculous breakthrough in his life. But then in 2 Samuel 2.17, it says this, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. There's going to be times and there's going to be seasons in our life of where we have to go to the stronghold that the enemy has in our hearts. But there's also times when the enemy is going to attack. See, we're not always just on the offensive. Uh, the powers of darkness, they want to attack you, they want to destroy you. And the Philistines thought that this was going to be a time where David is weak. He just had a battle, he's depleted, he's tired, might be distracted, all of those other things. So they say, this is the opportune time for us to come now and to attack him. And David gets word that this is coming, and he doesn't just go out there to meet them in battle. He doesn't go out there, I mean, I think, hey, you know, let's go to the stronghold of the enemy. Well, this is different. Now he's, he's not going out to do the attacking He's the one who is now under attack. And his response to the attack of the enemy in his life is to go to the stronghold. He goes to the place of safety. He goes to the place of protection. He goes to a place of refuge so that he can withstand the attack of the enemy and not be overtaken by it. So what is a stronghold? It's a fortress. It's a, a place of protection for you. We were talking about that this morning. But for David... Uh, he also describes a stronghold in this way. In Psalm 18, verses 1 through 2, which is just after another time when Saul was trying to kill him and God miraculously delivered him from that attack, this is the psalm. It's actually a song that was supposed to be sung, and I, I don't know the tune and I can't sing, so I'm just going to have to read it for you. But it says, I love you, Lord. That's how he starts out. I love you, Lord. That's the best way to start any song. I love you, Lord, my strength. What he's saying is that, God, I recognize that this isn't about my strength. I'm not reliant on my strength. I'm not limited by my strength. But I'm looking to you to be the one who is my strength. And he says this, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield in the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. 
See, for everybody else, we think that a stronghold is something that we make. We think a stronghold is something that's made by human hands. We think that a stronghold is something that we've prepared for ourselves for the day of trouble or the day of adversity. But what David realized is that there's no stronghold that's strong enough that we can make that can protect you from the attacks of the enemy. See, David's problem wasn't really Saul. It wasn't really the Philistines. David's problem was that he had a spiritual enemy of his soul who was coming to attack him and try to destroy his life and cause him to compromise the destiny that God had called him to. And he didn't just march out headlong to go and to meet his enemy in that place. When he knew that the attack was coming, when he knew that the enemy was after him, he knew that the attack was greater. He knew that the attack was stronger than what he could take on his own. And so he says, I'm going to the refuge. I'm going to the strong tower. I'm going to the stronghold that is God. He says that God himself is the refuge, that God himself is the strong tower. He is the rock that we run to when the enemy attacks us. That God, his presence, is the place where we can entrust ourselves fully to him because of his strength, because of his love, because of his goodness. Now we run to the refuge, we run to the stronghold that is God. And that's the place where we weather the attacks of the enemy. You've all been under attack before. Probably a lot of you are going through attacks right now. Why? Because the enemy hates you and he wants to kill and to steal and to destroy. It's his entire job description. It's who he is. It's what he does. And he's good at it. And here's the thing. Like, Satan is stronger than you. I know people are like, I'm not scared of the devil. I'm going to kick him in the nose, whatever. Like, that's stupid. Do not do that. He's defeated by Jesus, but he's not defeated by us. He's smarter than us. He's stronger than us. And believe it or not, he has more faith than we do oftentimes. He knows who God is. And he'll do everything that he can to keep you from getting to the stronghold that is the presence of God. He'll do everything he can to try to make you think that you can fight this battle on your own. He'll do everything that he can to put you in the place of where you're removed from the stronghold that is God. But David knew that the only chance that he had of making it through the battle that he was in, the only chance that he had of seeing God's miraculous breakthrough in his life to preserve him from the attacks of the Philistines and every other enemy that he had was to get to the stronghold that is our God. So David says this is beautiful. There's only one thing I want. There's only one thing I'm asking. There's only one thing that I'm seeking, and it's to see you. It's to find you in the place your glory dwells. That's the desire of David's heart. Why? Because he knew that that was the stronghold that he had in this life. A lot of times we look at David and we think of him as someone that God used mightily. Uh, One of the prayers that we pray a lot, at least I do, is like, God, use me. God, I want to be used by you. I I want you to do something significant with this few years that I have on this earth. I don't just want to be a blip on the radar, but God, I want you to do something with my life. We all want to be Moses, right? Or Daniel. People that, that God chooses and he uses for great and mighty purposes to advance his kingdom and to glorify his own name. Then I started figuring out that maybe that wasn't the best prayer that I could be praying. Because God used Moses, but he also used Pharaoh. There we go, one laugh. God used Daniel but he also used Nebuchadnezzar. See, what I came to understand was that God is going to use every single one of us. 
He's going to use every single one of our lives for his glory, whether it's because he's going to use us as vessels that he shows that we're futile in our attempts to waylay him and his plans, or he's going to use us to glorify his own name through good things. Either way, God's going to get glory. God is going to use every one of our lives. You know who God uses a lot? Satan. Think about that, that even Satan himself, everything he does ends up just serving the purpose and the plan of God. Like Satan probably thought when he killed Jesus, like finally I've done something really good to deal a blow to the plan of God. Like he did exactly what God wanted him to do. God used Satan even in the crucifixion. So you know what? I want to be used by God, but I don't have to pray that because he's going to use me. He's going to use every single one of us. You know what the difference was between Moses and Pharaoh or between Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar? Moses knew God. Pharaoh was used by God, but Moses knew God. Nebuchadnezzar was used by God, but Daniel knew God. Saul was used by God, but David knew God. And that's what the stronghold is. It's knowing God. It's finding him. It's encountering his presence. It's living our lives in that constant awareness of his goodness, of his beauty, of his majesty, of that becoming the all-consuming desire that we have in our lives. Of God, you are the one that I want. You know, I want breakthrough really, really bad in my life. There's things that I'm believing for, for myself personally, for our family, for, for this church. Like I'm praying, God, we need your miraculous breakthrough in all of these different areas. But more than, than just wanting breakthrough, I want the God of breakthrough. I want to know the God of breakthrough. I want the presence of the God of breakthrough in my life. If I never see any more breakthrough in my life, like I can handle it. It's not what I want. It's not what I'm going to see. But if I just find the beauty in the presence of God and I live daily knowing him more and encountering him more, that's the greatest desire that I have in my heart. That's the greatest desire that should be in any of our hearts is, God, we want you. We want breakthrough, absolutely. But even more than the things that you do for us, we want you. We just want you. And how do we know God? It comes down to worship. You want to know someone more? When you started dating someone, how did you get to know them more? You spent time with them. In a way, you worshiped them. You attributed worth. You attributed value to them. You praised them. I didn't meet my wife and be like, hey, you look kind of funny. Like, that date would be over. I was like, you're beautiful. You're amazing. That's what we always say. Like, you're amazing. Just so amazing. Because that was the only word that I had. But I started doing things to tell her of my love and my affection for her. And that caused an increase of the love and affection that I had in my own heart for her. And it also caused love and affection to develop in her heart as well. At least I was hoping it was going to at that point. But if you want to know God, if you want to know the stronghold, if you want to live your life in the stronghold where you can weather every attack of the enemy, it's, it's found in the presence of Jesus. It's found in living your life in the presence of God and making him your strength, making him your refuge, making him your strong tower, making him the stronghold that you live your life in. When the attacks of the enemy come against you, which they absolutely will, you go to that place of the stronghold. You go to your knees in prayer. You go to your knees in worship and encounter and seek after the living God. And as you do that, oftentimes what you'll find will happen is that breakthrough will come to you in the midst of that. Acts 17, 
verses 16 through something. I don't know exactly. It's the story of Paul and Silas, and I won't get into the whole thing. If I'll even have the band come back up. I told you I was going to keep it short. This is miraculous. This is breakthrough that you're witnessing right now. But here's what happens. Paul and Silas have been going out and they've been preaching the gospel. They've been doing the thing that God called them to do. They've been doing the thing that God created them to do. And they've seen miraculous breakthrough. There's miracles and signs and wonders. And the fact that they cast this demon out of this girl, like that is breakthrough. When God comes and kicks a demonic force out of a girl that's been oppressing her so that she can be set free, that is breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But instead of people thanking them for that and glorifying Jesus, they threw them in jail. And it says that the magistrate has them beaten, and it says that he has them beaten with the rods. What that means is that they took these rods and they smashed their feet with them to break the bones in their feet so they're no longer able to walk around and preach the gospel. Do you have any idea of how much that would hurt? Like Your toe meeting a coffee table is darn near the end of the world. When they come with a rod and they break every bone in the top of your foot and the bottom of your foot to keep you from going around and preaching the gospel, that is excruciating pain. They're just going around preaching the gospel like God called them to. They're doing good things like setting uh, the people that are, uh, uh, I can't talk, that just means I need to end. Setting free people that are possessed by demons. And in thanks for that, God's favor and his blessing on their life is they get beaten up, their feet get broken up, and they get put in a jail where they're shackled and they're chained. What would your response be in that situation? This was their response. It says about midnight that night, they begin to worship. See, what Satan wanted to do was to get them thinking about their situation. What Satan wanted to do was to take their eyes and their focus and their attention off of their stronghold, Jesus, and to look at themselves and see themselves as slaves, to see themselves as victims. What they wanted to do was to cause them to question God's goodness. They wanted them to question, say, God, I was doing all of this for you, and this is the thanks that I get. God, you failed me. They needed breakthrough. They're in chains. They're in bondage. They're being kept from doing the thing that God called them to do. They're in excruciating pain. And their response is they're in their shackles. So they begin to sing. They begin to worship. They run to their stronghold. And it says that as they're singing, there's an earthquake. And the earthquake breaks the shackles that are over them and it opens the prison doors. The breakthrough that they were hoping for, that they weren't even asking for at that moment, came to them not in response to them asking, but in response to them seeking after the presence of the God of breakthrough. You want to see the power of God in your life? It's found in his presence. We don't get the power of God without the presence of God. Because we have the presence of God, now the power of God is there and it's at work inside of us and it changes every environment. It brings breakthrough into every situation and every circumstance. 
You see, they recognized that they were in a spiritual battle at this point. They knew that the enemy had attacked them. They knew that the enemy was throwing up a flurry, trying to keep them and to knock them off course, trying to destroy their plans, was putting up a roadblock in front of them that they needed breakthrough for. But their greatest desire wasn't just for the breakthrough. Their greatest desire was for the God of breakthrough. And so in response to that, they began to just worship Jesus, tell him how good he was, tell him how much they loved him. They began to sing. And it leads to the, the shackles being broken over their life. It leads to jail doors being open. It leads to the jailer and his entire family saying that your God is real. We're all going to follow after him. And the very next day, the magistrate says, like, get out of here. You're free. Go home now. They got miraculous breakthrough in their life. And the way that they fought spiritually, the way that they fought their battle was that they went to the stronghold that is Jesus. And they fought their battle by worshiping Jesus. They fought their battle by not focusing on the problem, by not focusing on their situation. They put their focus on Jesus. Their greatest desire was him. We put a lot of effort into getting lights right, into making Spider-Man designs, which is awesome, by the way. Thanks, tech team. We work hard on our songs. We, we try to create a place where it's easy to worship. That wasn't the luxury that Paul and Silas had. It was hard to worship there. Physically, it was hard. They're shackled. Their feet it must have been throbbing. Emotionally, it must have been hard to worship. But they knew that was the way that they were going to fight. They knew that was the only way that they were going to survive and they were going to get through this. Mankind has the ability to shackle us, to put chains around our hands, around our feet. The enemy has the ability to scare us. He has the ability to physically harm us. But he'll never be able to make us slaves again. He'll never be able to cancel out the call of God on our lives. And there's nothing that the enemy will ever be able to do that can keep you from the presence of God. There's nothing that the enemy can do or that anyone else can do that can keep you from running to your stronghold so that you can withstand any attack. And this is what you need to do. Tonight, some of you, you're in that place of where the battle is raging, where the attacks are coming at you fast and furious. And the response right now for you isn't to just get up and to try to fight or to attack the enemy. Right now, the response is to run to your stronghold. Right now, the response for you is to run to the God of breakthrough and to seek his presence and it's to begin to worship him. And as you worship him, it says that he's magnetically drawn to the place where his name is glorified, where his name is magnified, his presence increases and where his presence is, there's the power for breakthrough. Here's what I want us to do tonight. I want us to stand up and we're gonna worship some more. But tonight as we worship, it's not because it's what we're supposed to do. It's because the king is here. It's because the king is so worthy. It's because the attacks are real and the only place that you can turn to is Jesus. It's because the victory comes through Jesus, not through us. 
is because we need to come back to that place of knowing God, not just being used by him, but knowing him deeply, knowing him intimately, making him the greatest desire that we have in our life, making that decision that if we just get one thing in this life, it's going to be the presence of the living God. And tonight, as we're worshiping him, as we're putting our focus and our trust in him, I want you to just forget about everything else that's waging war for your attention, that's trying to bring anxiety, that's trying to steal peace, that's trying to steal joy from you. I want you to just put your focus and all of your hope and all of your attention on Jesus. And here's what I'd encourage you to do too. It was very uncomfortable for Paul and Silas to try to worship God and to be physically expressive in that place, but still they did it because they knew Jesus was worthy. And tonight, let's sing because of what Jesus has done. These are the songs of victory that we sing. It reminds us that the enemy might attack, but we have a God who's bigger. We have a God who's stronger. These are songs of prophecy over our lives. These are songs that remind us of the hope and the future that we have in Jesus Christ. These are songs that remind us of how worthy Jesus is. They remind us of how good God is. And we're going to sing them with all of our hearts because Jesus is worthy. We're going to raise our hands because Jesus said, I want you to raise holy hands in worship of me. You know when you raise your hand? There's two times when you're going to surrender. But tonight it's not about surrender. Tonight it's about victory. When your team wins, every hand. We don't know that as much. We had a rough season. But when we do win, we're like, yes, like we won. It's the victory that we have in Jesus. Your God has won. We can celebrate even now the victory that we know that we're going to walk into because of what he's done on the cross. You can shout, you can dance, you can jump, whatever those things are, is that these are all ways that we come to the place where we worship Jesus. It's the way that we're going to put our focus and our attention on him. And we're going to grow in this. Why? Because Jesus is worthy. We just celebrated Singles Awareness Hallmark Day or Valentine's Day, whatever they call it. You know what I did for my wife? Things I don't like. Nobody's ever bought me flowers. I'm cool with that. You know why I bought her flowers? It's because it's what she wants. I didn't buy her flowers because I love roses. I'm always like, why, do we, why are flowers a symbol of love? They wilt and they fade and die so fast. Like, that's a terrible symbol of marriage or romantic relationships. I'll get you a rock. Those last forever. <laughs> I got her chocolate. Like dark chocolate. That's disgusting. But it wasn't about me. It was about what she wanted. Too many times I, we think worship's about us. I don't want to sing. Why not? I don't like singing. That's cool. You're not singing for you. You're singing for Jesus. He said he wants us to sing, so if you're going to give him a gift, give him the flowers, give him the song. It doesn't matter what you want. You're trying to show him and to express your love to him. I don't like raising my hands. You don't have to. Like, it's not about you. We're not raising our hands because it feels so good, although it does, honestly. We're raising our hands because Jesus said, raise holy hands. I don't like shouting. You don't have to like shouting. We're getting stuff for Jesus, not for us. I don't like dancing. You know what? Like, I do not like dancing. If I was writing the Bible, I would edit that one out. But by faith, I believe Jesus likes even my dancing. 
Tonight we're worshiping him in the way that he's asked us to worship him. Not in the way we like to worship, not in the way that's comfortable for us, but in the way that he wants us to worship him because he's worthy of it. But you know what I've discovered? When I do things like buy my wife flowers and chocolates that I don't like, I end up receiving a blessing from it. Because even though I'm blessing her, when I see the joy that's on her face, when I see the affection that she has for me, I'll buy her chocolates and flowers all day, every day. And it turns out I even kind of like doing it. You guys want to grow with me in this area? I've got to grow in dancing, I'll be honest with you. I feel stupid when I do it, and I look stupid when I do it. That's what Jesus has called me to. What's that next step for you tonight? Is it time for you to start singing, to worship Jesus? Sing the songs of victory, sing the songs of deliverance, sing the songs of God's goodness. So raising your hands, raise your hands in victory. Is it jumping in place or shouting, then jump or shout. If it's dancing, dance. If it's getting on your knees, as a sign of just, God, you're so awesome and holy that I can't even stand in your presence and come up here. We'll keep the kids off to the side so you don't get run over. Let's worship Jesus tonight in a way that he's worthy of. Jesus, tonight we're coming after you. We want you, Jesus. We're giving you a gift, God. Would you inspire our hearts? Would you stir up holy passion and holy boldness in us so that we can worship you in the way that you've called us to because you are worthy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.